to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I am so excited to have you back. If you're new, I really appreciate you having me in your ear here. And if you really love this podcast, please be sure to subscribe. And wherever you listen to it, give it a five-star rating and a written review. That really helps out. And share the episodes. Instagram, tag me. I appreciate that. And just, you know, because I'm so committed to us learning and creating human expansion and understanding the complexities of us, you know. it's Being a human is messy. I was going to say some of the time, but let's be honest, it often is, almost all the time, just getting to understand these feelings we have and how we relate and our relationship to ourselves and our thoughts and, you know, there's so much stuff going on. And I think, you know, as we expand our knowledge, it at least provides some sense of understanding and um, I want to say simplicity, but maybe that's the wrong word, maybe a sense of peace and just peace that we're not in this alone that there's other people who are thinking about these things and really wanting to grow and change. And this week, I am really excited to share with you a good friend of mine, Mike Campbell, who's a men's expert. And I've been getting a lot of inquiry about the subject of relating with men and, and from men too, about having struggles with certain things, having had many of them myself, uh, I could really relate to a lot of the questions I get. And a lot of the challenges I've had with an inability to commit, to show up, to accept an invitation from someone when I was going through pain and I just didn't know why I couldn't. And we're going to really dive into why men often can struggle to commit and why that is. And masculine, feminine dynamics, not as genders, but as energies like yin and yang. And we use language um, in the episode that is adopted from Alison Armstrong, which is like hunter-gatherer. And and I, in my wording, often use warrior and lover. And it's just this balance of being open and protected when they're in balance, when they're integrated in either extreme, they're, they're not healthy. Too much lover, codependent, too much warrior, withdrawn and not available for love. And so either way, it's, it's not good. we got to figure out a way to balance both. And... We explore another question I get a lot, which is, I intimidate men, and, you know, how do I not do that? And we explore the male side of this, as well as the female side of this, and I don't mean to be just heteronormative, this can be, we talk a lot about, um, no matter the gender dynamics, just the combination of two humans who might be more in their masculine and feminine, and I've had more questions about exploring that, so super excited to have done this with Mike. And also we actually look at the subject of inviting men to grow, to expand, to accept the invitation to step into their integrity and to their best selves. And I think this can easily be extrapolated to any human. And we mention that a lot. And so I just wanted to preface this episode with it doesn't matter how you identify or what you date or what who you're in relationship with. None of that stuff matters. Um, what matters is that you take what you need from this and you leave what you don't. And it's just a really expansive episode, and I'm so excited to share it with you. And before I do that, 
If you are struggling to get over a relationship, over an ex, over a past relationship, and they're holding you back from opening your heart, and they're containing your mind, and you're not going to restaurants you love still, I have a five-week course that is all about healing through breakups, where I end up in your inbox every day, you get weekly work, and it's all stacked uh, very logically each week to take you through the healing process. And if you want to check that out, all you got to do is go to bit.ly slash breakup rebirth. So B-I-T dot L-Y slash breakup, B-R-E-A-K-U-P rebirth, R-E-B-I-R-T-H. So bit.ly slash breakup rebirth. Check it out. Would love to be there with you and help you through that transformation so you can open your heart again and leave that X in the past. All right. Without further ado, here is Mike Campbell. What's up, Mikey Mike? Happy to have you on the podcast. Finally. Finally. It's great to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. For those people listening, um, Mike Campbell, how do you describe? I mean, I I know you are a men's coach, but I know you coaching many more than than just men. So how do I describe it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, this is what I say. I, I bring personal development to everyday men and make it easy to understand, to, to digest and to apply so that the dude who sits in that, in that middle spot between like Tony Robbins and Homer Simpson <laughs> can actually start to turn face and understand his shit and move through it to the other side so he can actually get what he wants in his career, his relationships and his life without the guilt, without all the hangups. And of course, sometimes those little uh, pieces of information and things dri- dribble over into other people, other ears, other eyeballs. Um, but really, you know, what I'm fundamentally about is one challenging, I suppose the model that we have for masculinity and how it plays out for men and the impact men have in their lives and in their communities. And therefore two, helping men gain access to their potential. Hmm. When I love that, I mean, for the people listening, uh, Mike has uh, an event that he does, which is called Beyond the Beers, which is exactly what you're saying. You know, it's like people who connect over beers, but let's go beyond like the regular conversation that we might have over beers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just when it lacks more depth, you know, when like if you're not talking about your feelings and your experiences when you need to, it just stays surface as a way of avoidance or just not ever being connected to your feelings. Certainly not going to serve us in relationally, but even personally. Yeah. And although we might get to that place after 10 beers, but like, what is that? That's (laughs) not it. (laughs) That doesn't count. It's probably attached with some shame or regret the next day and it it actually perpetuates it. So, you know, the, the, the the conversation that guys, a lot of guys, right? We're not speaking to everyone, but a bit of a bell curve, you know, connect over the surface, over a beer, over a coffee, whatever is often that surface level stuff. And that's beautiful. You know, the banter being kept honest by your friends, that stuff is amazing. But if it can't go beneath it, we see trouble and there's the men who don't even have that. Right. So, you know, it's encouraging, uh, supporting, and, and I suppose providing and holding space for men to get beneath the surface in their own lives and actually start to get you know, more into their own depth. When of course your work is applicable to any human, you know, regardless of whether the gender or the space between, mm-hmm. um, because it is about facing your truth you know, stepping into your fullest potential, stepping out of what scares you. I think when we talk about on my podcast, you know, I've had 
a few people come on and talk about men before. And the reason I think it's such an important conversation is because the majority of divorce is initiated by women. You know, I think I forget what the percentage is, but it's much more than men. And men actually, this is based on research. So anyone getting upset about what I might say is that men, when they are in um, emotional crisis, tend to turn towards their partner more than anyone. And so when they lose their relationship, they lose their emotional support system generally. Um, Mm. And I think that's, you know, it's in the relational game, so much of the lack of the emotional skill set. I mean, men have not been socialized to have that from the date of birth, you know, Mm. as where some women have and some men have, but far more women have. And in the research, they see that men are boy babies are treated very differently than girl babies from the beginning. Yeah. You know, so in the context of your work, you know, you're in, uh, in Australia, but, uh, don't mistake his accent. He's not Australian. He is a Kiwi. <laughs> uh, my imitation of your accent is horrible. <laughs> it's British. Yeah. I mean, I, at the end of the day, my accents come out as a Jamaican Irish person. And it's like, good eye. Yeah. You doing right. Is it? Is that good? That was, yeah, I would say a little bit more outback Australian. <laughs> Actually, I got told that, that I have more of an outback Australian. Um, so in the context of the work that you do, you know, we were talking, you know, we had, you had a few questions on your Instagram that you received about like men and commitment. Mm. And I think for anyone listening, if you know a man or are a man, um, or any range of identifying as chances are you've been told you have a struggle with commitment or someone has experienced a struggle with your commitment or, you know, of, of a man's, I think that's fair. Yeah. What is it about oh, yeah. men and commitment? Yeah, I mean, well, it starts with the story that we have, right? Which is that men struggle to commit. Right. And, and I know, you know, you and I personally have spoken about this and done work around it. And I know your work focuses on, you know, looking at the messages that we receive as we grow up and still, and how those messages impact our beliefs about ourselves, about relationships, about the world around us. And, you know, those messages are sometimes implicit, sometimes they're explicit, but they are... Um, plentiful and you know as as a man or someone who wishes to be in relationship with a man i think there's some pretty solid ones and that one to me sits very front and center men struggle to commit and so one you're learning as a man that oh you can you you're going to struggle or you get to not commit because there's this thing you can use as a crutch (laughs) right yeah um and 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 therefore, that just becomes like this big, cozy justification, right? Oh, I, I, I struggle to commit. Uh, you got to go beneath that, man. Like, you can't just say that. And then, of course, if you're, if you're on the other side of that and you're hearing that, it's like, oh, the guy's, you know, he's going to struggle to commit. And, uh, you know, that's okay. Cause... So I think that just screws up with a, a lot of how we, therefore, play stories around our own um, ability and, and willingness to, to commit and how that plays out in our relationships, right? And to me, it's something that, absolutely requires investigation. Mm, yes, I, I agree with you. It's such the, we focus on the content, but it's never the content. No, yeah. right. And so, you know, like, so, so I'll speak from a, a personal story, which I think might help make a, a little bit of a point. And, and I know this is in part where our own stories do merge a little bit. You know, I had a engagement that ended. Um, this one was not from my hand. And so my fiance at the time, 
I was, I was in Australia. She was in New Zealand at, at a friend's wedding and I was joining her the next week to, to visit another friend's, go to another friend's wedding. And I received this phone call and I was excited to, you know, talk to her. And it happened to be Valentine's day actually. And I was like, Hey babe, you know, how, how you going? What's going on? How was the wedding yesterday? And, and I just heard this like dead ear. Oh, <laughs> and that's not a good um, response. It, it, it was brief, but enough, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then I heard this, like, I, I realized I can't marry you. Wow. And you know, in that fleeting instant, there was like a hope that it was a joke or something like that. Right. But ultimately what happened is I had my heart shattered. You know, I was fucking distraught. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't understand it. You know, in the moment I couldn't understand it. Right. Like, you know, later on with some more investigation and a bit of conversation and, and all sorts of hindsight, I understood it a lot more, but the end result of that for me was I was distraught and I decided on some level, conscious or unconscious, to put my heart away in a little box for a while and protect it and looked after it. And so once I like, you know, maybe a six week period of like basically being asexual uh, then like, you know, coming out of this fog of like, Oh, hold on. I'm a human again. And I, I, I have these desires and, you know, um, physiology, um, and started looking at women again in that sense, there was this beautiful little, um, story, which came out of it, which was now, of course, like in reality, I wasn't ready for a relationship at that point, but, yeah. but it was also like, I just want to play the field and see how it is. Right. I E I'm not going to commit to anything right now because you know what? <laughs> I'm just not in that space. But, Actually, it was because I was fucking terrified of having my heart broken again. Yeah, man. I lived years in that one. Yeah. I just got out of a relationship four years ago. I'm doing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't commit. You know what? I'm not looking for anything right now. I'm just looking for a bit of fun. You know, whatever these things mask as that, that prevent commitment is often that, that level of fear talking. And mm-hmm. we get to use that story, right? And, and so that's what it was for me until I really connected into that Um a lot, long, a lot later after that, you know, there's a period of just like, you know, sowing my wild oats and all that kind of shit. But the, but the premise was, um, you know, I'm just not ready to commit. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a cozy story. And so really that was me, you know, being dictated by fear, the, the fear yeah. that I would be hurt again. Where right? commitment leads to. Yeah. Yeah. And so like part of it is genuine justification that, you know what, of course I'm not ready to commit right now, but I'm not yeah, saying that to myself. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm also not saying that to myself, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm not saying I'm not ready because you know, I'm, I'm just saying, no, nah, I just need to play the field. You know, it, it was bravado in a sense. Um, which men will wasn't... celebrate, you know, um, in male groups, which isn't a knock again. It's, it's because we're all participating in the narrative, not mm. knowing we're in the narrative, which is like, mm. Yeah, man. Why would you get a girlfriend? You're young. You're, you know, you're available. You should be out there hooking up. And, you know, like you and I both come from sports team background mm. and, you know, like, uh, and it's, it's not like, you know, I, I joke about it, but it's kind of not funny that, mm. you know, it wasn't like I was in a men's locker room being like, you know, my buddy's like, yeah, Yo, you're really holding down monogamy. Like champ, just want to, yeah, that shit isn't happening. You know, no. which, yeah, you know, not to yeah. say that the quality of the men that were around me weren't high. It was incredibly high, but that that's exactly it. High quality men and we're still not having that conversation. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I didn't have men around me that were were kind of, you know, willing to to 
bring me into that level of conversation or maybe challenge me on my shit because we were all in that together. But I think where this leads ultimately is that Mm. for men, commitment is a big fucking deal. Yeah, agreed. Right? And, And I think from a biological standpoint, you know, and when we look at how as humans we have evolved, you know, and we look at the masculine and feminine, right? When we look at the hunter and the gatherer in that sense, right? And the masculine is the hunter. And so for a lot of men, that is our more predominant mode. When you are out hunting, when this became hardwired into us, you, you have to be single focus, task orientated. You are there to achieve a result. You are literally there to kill an animal, kill or be killed, provide for your community and your family network. And so when you make a decision, you have to stick to it. Mm. And, and, and I firmly believe that that has become ingrained in our DNA. And so how it manifests is, is for a lot of guys who aren't centered, who don't truly know who they are and what they're about and what integrity is for them, we don't commit because we don't understand the depth of what that requires us of us or we don't commit because we know what it requires of us and that's where yeah. it becomes super gray right and so this is where we have a lot of guys who who aren't grounded and and, and really you know who they are and, and 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 know who they are and what they're about um we see over committing because we don't know we haven't connected to the importance of our word and so we yeah, overcommit and committing so over committing and under delivering. So that might just be genuinely uh, in our life saying yeah. yes to fucking everything. And you can't deliver on those things. And then uh, you, you feel a bit let down, and, you know, and you get, you beat yourself up. And so we haven't really connected to, uh, you're still not being that. true to your word either. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah. so there's a, there's a level of needing to connect to who you are and what you're about that will allow you to understand your commitments a bit more. Then when we come to a realization that commitment's a big deal. Yeah. But it really is a big deal for me. And, and, and I believe that's why a lot of us struggle to commit because if I do the thing, then I have to follow through on that. And so when we bring that into a context of a relationship, right? And this is the kind of thing that you hear playing out. What if she's the wrong one? Or what if that's not the relationship? Because if I commit, I have to stick it out. Yeah, that's the, I mean, being in the engagement side too, although ending it, um, on Valentine's Day, too. Weird. I don't know that we made that connection before, did we? Bro, there's so much more to that story as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 truth. Um, and what I find fascinating about that is that was the level I was facing, but I knew there was so much that I wasn't seeing and I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, unconsciously, yes, afraid of where commitment leads, which is the narrative of heartbroken um, because I had a similar sort of other side of the situation, not engaged, but you know, you know, at 19 heartbroken and then unconsciously not allowing myself to be loved by anything. But -hmm. I think what's interesting is when we, I did take the idea of committing to that level so seriously that I was like, I can't even show up. Like I'm terrified, but I didn't know that was steering my life Mm -hmm. um, and ending the relationship and then doing exactly, (laughs) I just got out of a relationship. I'm just going to hang here for a little bit. But I think it, what you said is so it's so key is what is below your fear of commitment. You know, because I think that that's true of all humans is like if you were to let someone love you, what is actually your fear of where it will go? Not the you know when I ask someone that like, "Hey, when people love you, what happens?" They're like, "They love me back." And I'm like, "That's yeah, great." That's a great surface <laughs> answer. 
but let's get down to the the, the actual pain, the shadow, the trauma, mm. you know, which is do they leave you? Do they betray you? Do they reject you? Do you lose yourself? Do you lose yourself? Yeah, man. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a challenging part because for me, I didn't have the language, um, having not been socialized generally, to communicate on a level of emotion, but I could communicate about everything else. So that made it a skill set. That wasn't a skill set issue. There was something so much more going on that I didn't have the language to identify the feelings I had. But when I went to people like, mm. I'm scared. I think I'm, I don't want to get married. People would be like, you're just afraid of commitment. And I was like, yeah, Wait, you want an emotional guy. And now I'm telling you my emotion and you're telling me my emotion's not valid. Like I was mad, mm. but I and also, also was like, maybe, I'm not. yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's normal to feel this. It's yeah. just a bit of nerves. It's like, well, that's confusing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, am I supposed to be terrified? You know, I was blessed because the partner that I was engaged to is an amazing woman. So that made it even more conflicting. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, why don't I want something that's good for me? Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, for, 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 for me, when it comes to meaning and commitment and relationships, we, we get to look at commitment in general because it's happening everywhere else in your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and at the same time, you probably are very effectively committing to some things and following through on those, um, despite what risks there may be. Cause that's the risk with our heart. Right. So look at that, drill down into it, like understand it because you can kind of like crowbar that over here and learn the lessons because ultimately, yes, what's the fear beneath it? What's the risk? And, mm. and is it that, you know, this, if I put my heart out there, it can be broken. And we know that that is an incredibly vulnerable thing to do. Um, but in case it's not obvious, that is the price of admission that risk you don't get all the good stuff without that risk otherwise you you you, you know we can't prevent unhappiness and hope to be happy <laughs> yeah right like constantly <laughs> on guard yeah because yeah. you're going to live life in this vague gray area and that's what i see happening for a lot of men when it comes to their level of commitment how they understand what that means and what that asks of them uh, in their relationships. Do you think that's a lot to do with, because when you look at the data now on men, you know, we have an ever climbing uh, suicide rate. Mm. We have a total disconnection from self in a lot of ways. I don't know. And I mean, this might be controversial to say, but I mean, life, if we don't practice saying things, I don't know that we can ever say them right. Um, but I, I think that in a lot of ways we treat them, I, I want to be careful with this, but just everybody listening, have compassion for me and trying to talk about this, which is, um, I think in a lot of ways there is some disposability in the messages we send to men in that, look, uh, men go to war and die. Men come back from war and there's not generally a support system for them. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're not part of, uh, we're definitely part of the whole story of patriarchy and the benefits of what that brought for us, you know? Um, but where's the safe space to explore what we need to do to show up to the feminine, which is, you know, like when I'm in conversation with a partner and I was practicing more emotional language, if I said the wrong thing, that partner would be on me. Mm. Like, man, mm. I just said that I don't know. I'm, I'm coding what word goes to what feeling. 
but mm. your reactivity to the word I'm practicing doesn't feel safe. And I, I think in a lot of ways when, mm. and this is true of any, any human, um, is like, we have to give each other the grace to practice, to, to explore, yeah. to discover new language, to discover new ways of being. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you, you touched on it a little earlier and then kind of linking back in there, I think for a, a lot of men, we have learned lessons around how we get to communicate and access essentially <laughs> to the feminine, to our emotional side and, and as a result to our emotions. And so we often, you know, we talk about a, a bit of a bell curve, right? In the middle, we often have a low emotional vocabulary and we can't make those connections. And, and when potentially, and I've seen this so much, when we have essentially been shamed for having an emotional side. By ourselves. Um, yeah, by, by, well, our own by, by, by things around us and in our individual lives and then those people in our lives. And then, of course, as we start to add to the narrative ourselves, um, you shut that off, right? And, and if you shut something off, it atrophies and it dies. And therefore, what happens? Well, you can't connect to those things. You don't know yeah. what they are, right? Like, I don't know what the feeling is. What's the feeling? Now, this is also not to say that men need to just like stop being, you know, men and be emotional. It's like what we're talking about and maybe we'll explore more is, is learning and integration of these sides so that men can access a deeper understanding of themselves. For me, that's what it comes down to, right? So that we know how to flow between those two, you know, um, broad areas of the masculine and the feminine um, so we can understand ourselves, you know, and it, it, we've said before about potentially abandoning selves and, and not being centered. And, and so I think, you know, you, you mentioned something there before, like suicide rates and so on. I mean, astronomically higher in men predominantly across the Western world, right? And so we have to look at what's happening there. And there's lots of things that let's not say that we're solving that right now, but yeah. I think central to is men have learned to suffer in silence mm -hmm. and that doesn't work. No, it certainly doesn't. Especially because in that we don't even get to know our own pain. We have, mm -hmm. you know, basically two acceptable emotions, anger, which is often aggression mm -hmm. and happiness, but not too much, you know, and I, mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge a couple things. One there's so many tremendous men who participate mm -hmm. on my Instagram and on my social feeds and listen to this podcast. I've seen such incredible humans show up and I want to acknowledge the men listening because mm -hmm. it, it's this conversation isn't only, it, we can just only learn more. I learned so much when I talked to you, Mike, about this subject and my own limitations. And I think the other side of it is to recognize too, that all this stuff that might be the pathology of why we are the way we are, doesn't recuse us of responsibility, you know, to say like women fix us, fuck that. You know, we've been, uh, we've been, we've been hoping for that would be true. We created the patriarchy so we could, you know, we have kept wives who were quiet and made sure the home, fuck that. You know, like I love a woman who calls me forward. You know, I love that my partner doesn't allow me to be an average human. You know, she says like, you're out of space in this part of your integrity. I see it. And it has nothing to do with our relationship, but she can't trust me if that's mm. happening in life. Do you think that's always been the case? That I liked women who called me out? No, yeah. hell no. Of course not. I ran. <laughs> Why not, do you think? Because I was so terrified of what they saw in me, which was my pain. They, they saw that I was scared 
they called me on that, you know, and I, I was, I, I wasn't ready to commit with those ones, you know, <laughs> like that's ultimately what happened is I, I danced in the surface of connection because I was so afraid of mm. being seen. But the odd uh, celebration of that is in a male world, or sorry, in a male circle, those mm. other behaviors that are coping mechanisms and distractions are celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. And celebrated and, you know, encouraged because it's like an unspoken uh, agreement, you know, let's just stay here. This is yeah. safe. Right. And so I think, you know, one of the big words that I find is, is super important when it comes to diving into any of this stuff with me and it links to the commitment side is safety. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I don't feel safe right now. And the little boy in me is clinging to safety. He's going, fuck all that shit over there. Oh my God, I'm terrified. Right. And so I'm going to cling to safety in some way, which is by, you know, just sticking on the surface here with my boys and talking about this stuff. It's by keeping her at arm's length and the relationship not really taking over. It is by, you know, that risk in my business or my career or whatever. Um, we're clinging to that safety. And as you said before, when confronted perhaps with a woman who will um, see you and call you mm. forward, um, depending on where I am in my own kind of integration of, myself and, and ownership of my shit. Um, my mature adult integrated man is potentially not there to hear that. And the little boy hears it. And so that's when it doesn't go well. <laughs> that's the guy who fights back, who gets defensive, who wants to be right, who doesn't want to be seen. Right. And he will speak outwardly and it won't probably look so good. I have a strong one of that too, that I have to manage, you know, cause that's the mm -hmm. part of me that wants to protect from shame from mm -hmm. like not, you know, potentially being left betrayed, hurt, cheated on, then, you know, maybe if I can just keep this in the gray area, these connections, these emotions, mm -hmm. my own emotionality, you know, and I think of the partnership aspect of it. Like I know your wife, you know, she's got no problem telling you as well how mm -hmm. to get there and where you're out, which is, I never recognized. And for anyone listening who has a partner who's called them to their truth, to their mm -hmm. alignment, to their integrity, I didn't know the value of it, but now I would never have it any other way. I mean, the greatest gift is someone who sees you and witnesses you and loves you and also doesn't let you settle for a lesser version of yourself. And fuck that shit's confronting though. You know, that's it why is. you got to get to know yourself because you can't, yeah. you yeah. can't hold that feedback if you have unprocessed shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, feedback, like, you know, to the, to the men listening and obviously we don't know, you know, where you're at. And as you said, you have some amazing men who listen, who reach out and, 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 and so do I. Right. But I think our integrity, because that's what we're talking about with commitment, by the mm -hmm. way, right. If I commit to something, I have to follow through. That's my integrity. And then that is just so paramount now to men, AKA to the masculine, right. Cause we're not, we're not genderizing in that. That's also going to speak directly to women. Yes. Um, but when it comes to being, yeah, called forward being seen, right? Let's not forget that at the base of it as humans, we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We want to be appreciated for who we are. The problem I see is that most of us either don't know who we are as men mm -hmm. and, and, you know, individuals in general, but we are terrified of being seen as we who truly are. Yeah. And so we attempt to be seen and heard as a, and appreciated as a version that we are curating. And so that can never work. That, that, that is lines that never intersect. And, and so if you're in that place, 
and someone sees you, holy shit. Um, I thought I was the only one who kind of knew that, but even I keep it down in a little dark box in the corner there. You know what I mean? So, so it has the potential to be terrifying. Um, and, and I've been in that place. Right. And yeah, my wife, um, you know, I think when, when we met and started, um, seeing each other, I would say dating, but that might be being liberal with that word. Um, (laughs) I was, I was in, I was post this, um, breakup, but sometime, but so I'll, I'll continue that story of my, of my engagement breaking up literally the, the next day I was working as a personal trainer still at that time. Literally the next day I moved from the UK back to, um, Sydney and I hadn't been there very long. I was starting my new business in, in the new gym that I was like the next day. And so I'd spent all my money traveling, you know, and, and I came back to Sydney, you know, with not too much behind me or staying at my sister's place. You can't fuck around when you need to create a personal training business. Like you have to sell your services and, and your value. That was a testing, testing time. At the same time, my mum was very, very ill with lung cancer back in New Zealand. And for the next year, I spent a lot of time, like a lot of time back and forth, back and forth. And most of those trips, the context was, we think this is it. So I was in a very, very interesting place and, and it forced me to do a lot of questioning and a lot of uh, investigation into myself and what can I learn from the relationship and what am I, what am I getting from my mum's illness here? You know, the messages around health and, and utilizing our time here and this kind of stuff. And then I met Nadia, my wife, and, and in a strange way, my mother never met her, but she was integral into facilitating us getting together. And Nad saw me in this time and she saw this dude who was, you know, struggling and, and hurting, et cetera. But she also saw some things that I didn't see. And, you know, as we started seeing each other, she was able to give me some feedback. Let's just use a broad term and call me to some of those things. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling incredibly challenged. Uh, so challenged and like now of course I can look back in hindsight and what was happening was you know like I was being seen (laughs) and that was confronting but where I was at and and where I had managed to get to I was I was able to hear that and get curious and ask for more but you know maybe if she'd hit me six months earlier or 18 months earlier certainly five years earlier it, it wouldn't have happened right but that conversation and the conversations that followed both in our getting to know each other, you know, and her exploration of fundamentally, is this someone, is this a man that I can depend on? Right. I'm going to test him consciously sometimes, unconsciously other times by probing and poking and and looking at the things and inviting him to step forward. You know, there's a lot of tests in there and unconsciously for me, I was able to, to step into those tests and go, that's interesting. I, I have no idea, but I'm willing to learn. Mm-hmm. And without that, you know, I wouldn't have continued to step forward maybe at the pace and, 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 and the depth. Um, and, you know, I might've, of course, in some other way, we'll never know. Right. But it was integral to my own growth going, you know, like kind of going along and going along to re- to really stepping up. And, and that was because of, where she was at and what she was willing to you know, see and call in me. But also, you know, I want to pat myself on the back. Um, my willingness to, to go there as well. Were you open to that prior to the engagement ending and your mother getting sick? I think 
Um, perhaps, but in a in a um, in a more like primary school version. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was little bits here and there. I've always been incredibly curious, and yeah. and that you know is always kind of linked to myself as well. Um, but I think I was far more. Um, I was far more maybe. I wouldn't say like anxious, anxious attachment or anything necessarily, but just unaware, you know, I was just cruising. I was very much in that space and just cruising along and like, this person's a great person. Like let's be in a relationship together, (laughs) you know, and let's, let's keep that going. And it was a bit more just like kind of bumbling through um, in in some sense. Right. And and so I think, you know, things came together to that, for that to be um, facilitated. Yeah, I think those rock bottoms, whatever they look like, especially when you're in life's washing machine, right? <laughs> when you go through that breakup and then your mom is ill, um, there's just like rock bottoms make it so we can't wear the mask anymore. You know, we get so tired of our own bullshit. We don't even know we're in bullshit, you know, yeah. you know, and it's, I know for me, it was a lot of waking up and looking at, okay, I think I just woke up in someone else's story and <clears throat> man, it's amazing how much, you know, I, when I hear your experience with uh, Nardia, that is, I'm, I'm curious, especially for the people listening, mm. when we're experiencing a man who, and we should have a woman to tell us this too, but uh, we'll have to get, plan that in the future. But when someone is experiencing a man, even a man who's experiencing a male friend, but I'd say more in the context of this heteronormative dynamic, um, what is the way that you can call forward a man into his integrity when Mm. there is a lack of commitment and you do see this potential that is, you know, um, unrealized because I think a lot of people also waste their time dating potential and give up their own. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's a big challenge, right? And I'm sure you've had questions like this a lot and and I've just certainly had them a lot for women. And I think you know, the cop-out answer in part is there's a lot potentially to that. But, but that's my most common answer to most things, right? But I think the, the most accurate um, surface level answer is it's an invitation, right? To the person or to the, to the, to the person or or to the man or to invite him. Yeah. yeah, to okay. invite him. Yeah, not yeah. a demand, so, not a challenge, like an invitation to join. Love. Yeah, and but the challenge potentially, right? And this is why it may depend because that invitation might be somewhat of a challenge, and that's going to depend on the guy a little bit. So, for example, I, I find, and so you know, to the context of as you said, it might be another guy to, to a friend or whatever. A lot of the languaging that I use in you know the work that I do has a challenging aspect to it um, because. I believe the men that I'm talking to, right, specifically, um, do need an element of that, like, fucking wake up, man. Here's yeah. an invitation. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of that slightly challenging aspect. Um, and if you're not ready to hear that, then hopefully in time you will, right, because there's maybe something that you need to address. But the invitation is very powerful. So, yes, no demanding, no telling, right, no complaining and whining. No um, planning sure. for them. No booking fucking therapy appointments for them. Mm-hmm. None of that shit. Mm-hmm. No rescue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so um, with that comes the potential that the invitation isn't taken up. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think like in anything, you know, in our relationships, if you are willing to have a tough conversation, 
you also have to be ready to hear what you don't want to hear or not hear what you do want to hear. Mm, so yes. in this context, that might also be the case. Are you willing to walk away, let's say, to give some space if he doesn't step into that invitation? Because for me, that's what is the crucial step when it comes to, to, to you know, seeing and, 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 you know, pointing something out and feedback. You know, so for example, if it's like literally just giving feedback, it's are you open to feedback? Mm, yes. The, the request, the safe expression of that feedback. I certainly find that um, what you were saying about this invitation and this moment where it's like, am I willing to lose them and not lose myself in the process? Which I think is really like, uh, I've seen you masterfully facilitate from female to male. And it, there certainly is a shift, you know, when we move from like that space of com compassionate invitation that some, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes a person uh, really needs a real heavy call forward uh, that just shocks their system and shakes the programming. Mm -hmm. It's loving, right? It's always done in this very intentional loving space. Like I love you enough to tell you the truth at mm -hmm. the cost of potentially losing you. And that is fuck. That is, that's heart. And I, I, you know, I, I'm just in the context of when I've watched you do this, what I loved is that you called forward to integrity and it being like this, is this who you really want to be? Like from that space, I mean, I saw the tears just pour, you know, <laughs> when, when it was from this loving, intentional space that said, we're not going to settle for you being average, buddy. We see you, we see right mm -hmm. in your BS. Cause we know, <laughs> I mean, she, it, anyone's good at BS is it was me and still, you know, I can, my shadow's got great charisma to manipulate yeah. bullshit. Oh yeah. And I think, and as a rule, I mean, are exceptionally talented at justifying <laughs> yeah. justifying you know, uh, using those stories as to why we don't need to do the things that challenge us or even to circle back to the first point to commit to things in our life right the justification can be strong i certainly have to express to people listening that i did not accept some invitations because i wasn't ready to and it had nothing to do with the person but mm. it shifted something inside me even though it might not have been conscious at the time or I might not have expressed gratitude for being told that I'm out of integrity and needed to grow up. Um, cause who likes being told that when you're 29 I'm like, if I was five, that'd be different, but I was 29, you know, 32, you know, whatever name the age before yeah, I, but the five-year-old also probably would have, you know, like said, well, fuck you, take <laughs> the toys and ran away. That's, that's probably what's happening to the 29 year old. You know what I mean? At least I could have said I'm five then, <laughs> you know, but now like I'm five, fuck you. But now it's like, I'm 29. Oh shit. You have a good point. Um, and, and that's why I just want people listening to know that the invitation not accepted consciously in that moment doesn't mean that the soul hasn't accepted it and begun the journey because mm -hmm. it took all of those in a series of really amazing humans who were courageous enough to do that, that when the invitation fully showed up and I was ready, I could see it and hear it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, the, the thing that therefore comes with the invitation is the space that follows it. Tell, tell us more. What do you mean? Well, so, so if you are going to, so let's say, you know, it's not, it's not booking the therapy appointment, right? So the invitation might be, I would love for us to seek you know, outside counsel on the conflicts that we have in our relationship. 
And if you're willing to do that, then, you know, I'd love for us to explore that. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you consider that and then, you know, come to me if that's something you want to do. And then you've got to give the space, right? To so, allow them to step into. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so that, in that example, it might be him coming back and saying, okay, I want to do this or, Hey, you know what, babe, I've booked an appointment, but in that space, you know, it's a concept in a sense, but also it's very real. It might actually be physical, creating that physical space. There may need to be a barrier around it. You know what I mean? Like I'd love to circle back on this in 24 hours. Um, but giving him the space to step forward into the thing that you're inviting him to. Yeah. Because of course people who dance in the gray, no matter the gender, um, will dance in the gray till you don't let them, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's the truth. That's how they've survived through life. And we know that the healing of anyone who's an addict is they're the person who's enabling's own healing, which is separating their healing from yours, which, you know, I think it's a, when we see ourselves in these habits or these, um, ways of being in relationship with the unavailable people, you know, quote unquote, really it's because we're unavailable on some level ourselves, you know, that we need to grow up ourselves. And, and that means having hard conversations and adult conversations. So, that's why I think those relational patterns, whether it's with a man who's afraid of commitment or anyone who's not showing up fully at the same level you would like in mm. staying in the pattern, you're not showing up fully as you would like either. So you're actually complicit mm. in the exchange. Which yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Cause I've had to yeah. that shoe before. Exactly. So let me share an example of that. So I was on a coaching call <clears throat> with some of my guys recently. And we're on Zoom, the exact thing that we're on right now, right? And sometimes you're muted and all that kind of stuff. And so this guy, you know, it was his turn to share. And I said to him, you know, Rod, where you go? And he started speaking and he was muted, right? Oh, hold on, you know, so I go in and I unmute him. And then I said, sorry, go again, mate, you were, you were muted. And he said was, oh, I sound better that way. Hmm. Now, in that moment, if I didn't call him to revisit that, I would be complicit in him perpetuating a story that he has and being out of integrity. And we were actually talking about integrity. And I said, I'm going to stop you there. I want you to, you know, and we addressed it and so on. And, and then the point that I made to the, the men on the call was I would be out of integrity as well. If I did not bring that to his attention and invite him to, to, to reconsider that, or at least look at his words. Mm, yes. And then getting him to actually explore how he uses self-deprecation to protect. And mm -hmm. uh, I bet he enjoyed that for <laughs> after the first bit. Yeah. And again, like it's also, <laughs> it's also important to point out that in that context, you know, that is the agreement of conversation, right? So, yeah, so I can yeah. give that, that feedback and, and They're so signed on. up for that. Exactly. But, but, but also I think that's a valid point because this is something that I always end up coming back to with the men that I work with in our relationships, regardless of the makeup of it, is that, we get to anyone in it, we get to set those containers and those parameters, you know, say, okay, so babe, how do we, how do we, and how do we want to communicate, you know, when we are in conflict or when we're having tough conversations or, or because, you know, like I feel I shut down when this kind of thing happens. So, so what do we do in those situations? So you have the agreements to make those conversations and that communication easier, not necessarily easy, but easier. Yeah. And I, I mean, I want to bring it to the next one, which I think for, uh, this is a common relational dynamic that we hear a lot about. And in, in just in this, like, how do we make it easier? I'm interested in, 
your response or thoughts on how we talk about like there's a lot of you know in the in the context of relationships and women um there's a lot of powerful women you know and we've mm -hmm. talked about the benefits of a powerful woman mm -hmm. and there's also you know purpose driven career ceo boss you know that's very much celebrated and which is great you know but we have women who are definitely in their masculine in some way. And I use that not as, I know that people don't like that term because it genderizes. Um, and so let's just use it in the context of energy, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So just clearing that up. Yeah. And they're very historic, like using the context of masculine and feminine as energies is like, goes back thousands of years. Yeah. And, and so maybe what will support us here. And I know that, you know, Alison Armstrong is great at, at this content. But, you know, how she will remove a bit of confusion there is let's just swap those out for hunter and gatherer. Yes, yes, yeah, beautiful. Right. And, like, women historically were gathering, like, 60% of the food, you know, with the baby on their back and all those things. And um, I hear yeah, a lot about, and, like... Gatherer and nurturer, let's... Right, community, you know, all the things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm interested to understand, like, why is it that men have a hard time holding space for a really powerful woman, you know, because a lot mm -hmm. of powerful women feel like they can't, um, find a guy who's not intimidated by their status and their power and their, you know, earning potential or wealth mm -hmm. that, you know, she sort of takes away the provider role. And I say that with, with love, I'm just saying like mm -hmm. for a man, if we don't understand that that's what's actually going on within our internal dialogue, but yeah, like, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Mike, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Um, I have many. No, look, I, I, again, like it depends, right? Let's go vanilla on it to start with. There's lots potentially playing out. And, and I think, you know, one of the main things that we can speak to is probably kind of what we were talking about before that a lot of guys aren't familiar really with who they are and grounded in themselves. And so this is the way I, I like to talk about it if as a man you're not grounded and, and I'm talking generally, right? Not in any given moment, but then you're more like a, a leaf in the wind. You can just be blown any which way. Right. And so you bring along another human who is grounded and direct and, you know, in hunter mode, then you're probably going to be blown in the way that they go. <laughs> yeah, totally. You'll be, right? you'll be doing whatever they want to do. Yeah. And responding and, to them. Exactly. You know, like if a hunter runs part, goes past, there's, there's, a, there's a little pocket of air that comes with it and the leaf goes, right? So I, I think that's what is happening a lot of the time conceptually in that case. And so the other side of it is potentially um, also, as we said before, what does this then bring out in me? What does this mean about me? Like, oh, right. And, you know, if you're not challenged by man, that. For the man, you mean? Yeah, you know, if there is a, you know, if we say a powerful woman in your presence in your relationship who might be, um, you know, highly and, and effectively in her masculine and, and she's out, you know, bringing home the bacon, as it were, in some sense. If you are challenged by that, then that's a reflection of you. Yes, now, absolutely. She may, she may be very... Um, ineffectively in her masculine and it may not be serving her as well. Right. So this is where the dynamics can get you know, messy and it requires that individual kind of um, assessment, but, but either way there needs to be polarity. 
in a relationship. And so if one is predominantly in hunter mode and masculine, then it is going to be reciprocated, you know, in time via the other person being in gatherer and feminine mode. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that those modes are healthy or effective, right? So a guy might go into a very ineffective feminine where he really softens and slinks. And what happens there, you know, you can see what I'm physically doing. My backbone softens, right? And, and that's the way that I kind of talk about it. It's like heart and backbone. And when the backbone softens, often that's not rounded. It's not dependable. Closes the heart too. Exactly. And, and what's going to, you know, uh, be essential in, in that dynamic in a relationship is anyone who is in their masculine, you know, most of the day, right? If that's their work environment, are, are going to need to have some switch, some transition time into their feminine, into the softer, nurturing, caregiving mode. And if we're dealing with a guy in a relationship with a powerful woman who, who's easily and more predominantly in her uh, masculine and she can't then soften and depend on your backbone, you know, to lean on, let's call it. Um, then that is, that's going to be seen <laughs> and it's going to manifest in the relationship as potentially resentment. And, you know, often the snowball just kind of keeps rolling. Right. So, so lots of different things that are detrimental in the relationship can happen. You know, the dude might continue to, to be in that mode and then it feels like he's a victim and it's harder to, to change and he might have resentment towards and she has resentment towards. And so the first thing is just to hold up that mirror and go, what is this bringing out in me so that you can investigate now on the, on the flip, you know, for her, it also has to have investigation as to do I need to be in my masculine here? Is this effective for me, if it is during the day, great. Is it all the time, right? Because we have created a society, largely, where you know, for for women to be successful, quote unquote, they have to be in their masculine. And yeah, we've we've certainly and, reinforced that. Yeah, and with, and, books, and, with research at businesses, you know, and then we're like, you're yeah. you're you're a bitch, you know. We don't. Yeah, you're a ball breaker. Yeah, yeah. like we don't. Yeah, and so there's no there's no way to win, you know. No. Yeah, and, and also, you know, sometimes it's super needed and essential and, and, and appropriate. Um, and, you know, like seeing some strong masculine leadership, regardless of the person, is often the bloody thing we need. And often it requires the softening in the heart. Um, but if it's, if, it's, if it's shamed, like, you know, ball breaker, bitch, bossy, well, that's not serving anyone. And it's potentially going to send that person into more of it because, you know what, I'll show you. Right? And then we have to know that one, maybe there's times when I can soften and do we need to facilitate that in a workplace, but then in my relationship, mm-hmm. right? And, and, you know, for, for a woman who is predominantly in her masculine, there's a good chance that by nature, she is more feminine. And so she is going to need a partner, regardless of the gender, right? She's going to need a partner who is able to access his masculine and be a rock, be dependable, Mm-hmm. so that she can soften and that polarity can, can enter in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think that really brings back to what we said earlier, that if a partner, and it doesn't matter the gender dynamics, right? Because mm-hmm. it's about that balance. And you said mm-hmm. we need polarity, you know, in the bedroom and in balance in, in the relationship that both people can't be in their hunter mode, 
you mm-hmm. know, because I think the only time hunters hunt hunters is that movie with uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. What's it called? Uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. <laughs> Hunger Games. That doesn't work out well, although it did for her. But the it's interesting, right? Because then two people in their more gatherer feminine mode, there's no polarity. There's no, you know, you got a couple people who don't have boundaries, you know, and I think that, the, you know, it's fascinating. Potentially no leadership too. Yeah, none. And and I remember no Kai saying to me when I like was clear about a boundary and, and something that was important to me, she said, you know, the more you stand in what's true for you, the more I trust you. And I was mm. like, shit, wow, I'm getting like rewards for boundaries. This is amazing. Cause I was so scared of having boundaries cause I was afraid of being a controlling man. And I, cause you know, the media growing up in the nineties, eighties, and 2000s was very much that, like, don't be this way. Don't be toxic. Don't be. And I mm. never wanted to be. I especially have a very, you know, a feminist mother who's very balanced. Mm. But, you know, it was very clear, like, this is how you treat women. This is how. And that was great. But I was also there. I feel like within that messaging, there was also like a lack of clarity that boundaries are important. And, you know, we talk about that book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, which mm-hmm. is a great book by Robert Glover. Um, that's interesting. If you identify as someone who's nice, quote unquote, regardless of your gender, the book is very helpful Mm. and you feel like a doormat or the idea that nice guys finish last. It's like, it's not nice guys that finish last. It's people who don't stand up for themselves. And he has a beautiful line in the book where he says, if you don't stand up to her or to them, uh, they won't believe you'll stand up for them. Mm. And I, I've lived that now. Hmm. And it's interesting, you know, you and I have done work with, uh, together, a lot of co-facilitating and it's interesting, the shift that happens to the feminine when there's this trust of truth and integrity, that there's Mm -hmm. a softening, like, will you sell out who you are for me? Mm. No. Oh, you will. Okay. Like you're going to not go to the gym because you're, you want, like, you're going to give up the things that are important to you so you can spend more time with me. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) <laughs> that's important, but not at the cost of yourself. Exactly. And, th- and this is where I think a lot of guys struggle is that we're very black and white, right? Yeah. And so we go from one extreme to the other. So like in the nice guy context, but if I'm not a nice guy, then I'm an asshole, right? It's that, it's that kind of yes. you know, dialogue. And it's like, no, it is not. <laughs> it could be, right? But having boundaries with love, respect, and compassion, then be okay with that, right? To say no, I don't want to do that thing. Why don't you go get fucked? That's being an asshole. And, yeah, and really is. you know, I would say, you know, a lot of nice guys play in that space of subtle manipulation, which isn't nice. And, and you know, that is essentially, I'm going to do these things for you and then you do them in return and or you like me in return. That's the kind of covert contract, right? So that's not nice. And that's actually being a bit of an asshole. But generally, you're probably a good dude. You're, you're a good person, right? And, and so there's probably not much danger that you're going to go fully fledged self-involved, self-righteous asshole, right? But people around you who you can communicate this stuff with, who can call you on things is also going to help navigate that, that new space a lot more because like that thing that you just shared, Mark, around, you know, the things that you need to do, like going to the gym. If I'm like, babe, I just want to cozy on the couch tonight. Let's just do that. And then you go, you cave. Oh, okay, once, whatever, right? But if that's something that's consistent, then that is showing I can't depend on you. And that is nuanced. And it requires investigation and a bit of conversation and maybe even saying, you know what, I'm, I'm trying to navigate this thing of like being dependable and, and, and backing, following through on the things I promised to myself. Sometimes I feel like, mm, maybe is there a test here? 
I don't know. Can you, every now and then, don't spoon feed me. Give me feedback on if you think I'm, you know, following through on my commitments. Or maybe sometimes you're like, you know what? This is not, I just want to, I just want to cuddle you with, with you on the couch tonight. Nothing else. But you get to have those conversations as well because as we can see, it's not necessarily that easy to navigate. Oh my gosh. No, it's like an ever learning thing. And the other day I said I was going to go paddleboarding in the morning. And when I was like dawdling around, you know, delaying that thing, I was like, um, you're not going to go, but you said earlier you would. And I was like, Oh damn it. Yes, I did. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember talking to uh, my mentor, Aaron Sky Kelly and her saying to me, do you hit the snooze button when you wake up? Mm. And I said, yes. And she said, that's so, that's too bad that you wake up lying to yourself. And I was like, eh, screw you. <laughs> you know, but it was such a slap to the face of reality, which is she's like, just set the time when you want to get up and you know, is your last snooze button if you want to sleep, but don't wake up not mm. honoring yourself and your integrity. And man, it's amazing how easy it is to slip out of that like to slip out of congruence and integrity and alignment mm-hmm. and truth and honesty and being truthful to your word. Cause I noticed that I'll oscillate away from honoring my word to myself. Mm-hmm. And then it requires getting back into rituals, you know, yeah. meditation and all those types of things. Yeah. And, and you know, what you've just summed up there is your commitments and that's why it hurt so much when she said that because commitment is a big deal. Oh, it was truth to slap right? right in the exactly. eye. Exactly. Yeah. And so if, if commitment wasn't a big deal, you'd be like, eh, whatever, I'm fine. I get on with the rest of the day and I do my things. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, whereas yes, oh true. my God, you hit me right in the thing there. My yeah. identity has just been seen. Who I am as a man has just been challenged because she connected to my integrity, right? And my lack of follow through on my commitments to myself. And, and that's why it, it hit you. Right. And it really does. And that's why I think for me, you know, to to circle back to that point, look at your commitments, small, medium, large, all through your life. And if you need to back off, like stop setting so many that you can't follow through on, then do that. Make it super simple for you to commit and follow through. And then, of course, show yourself that you can. Because often there's the dialogue and the story that, see, I don't do those things. And we perpetuate the story, especially if at the base of it is something around, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Then we will often do the overcommitting and the underpromising and use that in a twisted way as evidence to prove the belief that I hold about myself that I'm not good enough. But you get to change those stories. And it starts with honoring your word a lot of the time. Yeah, I love that that rap of... of- Hey, what commitment unconsciously or maybe consciously leads to that is a painful thing, a fearful thing. Mm. That's an old story running your narrative and running your life. And you could take the skills you built from losing yourself, from not knowing how to do that, from not communicating, from whatever, from overcommitting. And you can use the skills that you could learn in that moment to change and transform. And I, I really think about like, I know the impact of how just falling out of integrity with my word in a little area Mm -hmm. means that it's going to happen in a big area if I'm not mindful. And that's why those small moments are so those little things, like you said, look at all the little commitments you make. Yeah. Well, I mean the, the, the alarm in the morning is a snooze alarm is a great example, right? I hated that. You look at that and you're like, Oh, that seems 
so insignificant, but yeah, and it speaks to something else. Yeah, which is like, what is the extra eight minutes? I mean, I love the extra eight minutes or whatever the snooze standard is, <laughs> you know, but it was so, it's like, you go back to sleep, you wake up feeling shittier, <laughs> you know, you might as well. Yeah, and her point, of course, is is poignant, right? So just set the alarm for eight minutes later. But I think the thing about that is, you know, like almost perhaps you can think of your integrity as a vessel, right? And so if there's, that's a little, little leak. Some are bigger leaks, right? But that's a little one and they do make a difference right the other side perhaps of that um you know if i if i don't follow through on my commitments and i'm out of integrity it it allows me to perpetuate that story that i have even though the story isn't a good one it's not working for me we want to be right and so we'll prove the story right coming to our edge or what perhaps we perceive our edge to be is is potentially the other side of that which is who am i if i actually step into who i can be oh my god that is unknown. That is scary. And potentially that is putting myself out there to truly be seen. And I'm fucking terrified of that. And so, you know what? I'm just going to play small over here and not step into that. Cause that terrifies me. What's the reward of playing small and what could you create if you started playing big and you actually mm. started standing in your truth, honoring your word. I love that. Now I think that's, I mean, a great way to leave these lovely people with some transformative work for the week that I will participate in as well. If you don't follow Mike Campbell on Instagram or Facebook, you need to because he drops truth bombs. And uh, where can people find you, buddy? Uh, Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Mike Campbell MC. That's me. Um, How do you spell Campbell? Because that's not that that's me, right? C A M P B. E double L, of course, said with my New Zealand accent. Um, Mike Campbell, MC, or my website, mikecampbell.com.au. And yeah, I spend a bit of my time these days on Instagram, but you know, come follow, connect, ask questions. You know, one thing that I'm incredibly passionate about is um, people, <laughs> and I care about people getting past this shit, right? So, honesty, integrity hasn't um, rung through in this. <laughs> it's fairly important to me. And, and so, you know, I, I take my word to be very seriously. Do I nail that all the time? No, because I'm not perfect, but it's something that I strive for. And so one of those things is, you know, if you want to ask me a question, then please come and ask me a question. Perfect. And you also have a um, men's symposium coming up in November, right? For the Australians or people who actually like a ring there, right? That was, that was pretty good. But I went still- at the end, yeah. Still, still, still quite out back. Uh, yeah, and those who people who would like to travel to the beautiful location of Sydney, Australia. Um, yes, the Ultimate Men's Health Symposium are running in November. It's getting off the ground right now. I'm super pumped about that. Actually, you know, it's in it's in Sydney, but bring out a good friend of mine, Javon Langford, and we're kind of spearheading this thing. It's going to be a, a, an exciting thing to do lots of things, but fundamentally make a fucking dent in the world of young men, men, and the impact that we have in our lives and our communities. Sweet. And they can find info on that where? When it becomes available. On Instagram, <laughs> best place. Yeah. Look, okay. if you follow my Instagram, you will see all the information on that. Let's keep it central. Awesome. We'll link all this stuff out in the show notes, everybody. Mike, so much gratitude for you, brother. Thank you, brother. It's an absolute joy to come on your podcast. I was a little bit nervous. Uh, I do lots of podcasts, but you know, not all of those podcasts are ones that I listen to and truly admire and respect um, the host. So 
grateful to be on here and and it's just been an absolute joy to watch your business and your journey and to be part of that and connect into it and uh yeah just so much um gratitude for you and, and appreciation for being able to have this conversation with you thank you brother right back at you so grateful and uh everybody go find mike go get yeah motivated follow <laughs> your word you just gave your word go follow Thank you.